Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blog Talk Radio. If I speak for your followers, and I speak for your ex-followers, and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mom and dad, don't talk to your mom and dad, that's bad, yep. run. Absolutely believe his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. Hubbard reveals to them that he is the Antichrist. Scientology has not helped you. You have helped yourself. Yes, I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. We're crossing the line into torture. Do you think there is a rape culture in Scientology? I think that there is a culture in Scientology that children are not children. So... Yeah. All right, we're going to come get some extra Scientology edition with Paula Cooper Part 2. I am Ivy Six Man on Twitter. I am Chris Kirby. You can email CGS here at gmail.com. And let's talk about that, that email real quick. Uh, you know, I'm in and around the forums on Facebook and on social media and on Twitter. And I see, uh, occasionally see somebody who's got an a story that they're dying to tell someone who's been through the same things you hear about on this podcast and that you hear about on Aftermath and other programs like CNN and 2020 and, and, and so forth. And there's a bit of frustration sometimes that people aren't able to tell their stories and aren't able to get it out there. And, uh, you know, I've I even talked to Leah about this when she was on the show that it's a, it's one show with so much time that they can use that not, Every story can be told, unfortunately, uh, in that format. But you do have options, and this show is available to you. And I value those stories that haven't been told on Aftermath yet because every story is important. So if you want to tell your story, of course, uh, it would be important to be able to verify that um, you are who you are and went through what you went through. But if you could uh, email CGS here at gmail.com, I'll be happy to give you that opportunity. Everybody, everybody, regardless of where it's being uh, told you have a voice and you can tell your story. I know there's a value even, uh, you you know, this isn't aftermath. This isn't Joe Rogan. This isn't, you know, Adam Kohler. I don't reach that. I don't reach the millions, but I am heard in 10 countries worldwide on this show. So um, sometimes there's this value to being able to speak about it. There's a little bit of a, of a self-help mechanism there, you know, that whole, uh, being able to say what you've been dying to say and get it out, it's a little bit therapeutic for some people. Uh, also, uh, there are some people who listen to the show or some people who are just listening for the first time that may be sitting at home, and, and I've actually talked to people personally within the last week. Oh, yeah, I've always known about Scientology, but there's nothing I can do about it. And I used to think that way too. Of course, now I have this platform to, to provide and this platform to uh, to talk about it, but 
uh, yeah, what, what can you do? Well, I've talked about this recently. There is a petition on change.org for the IRS commissioner to begin an investigation to Scientology's tax-exempt status. That link is on the podcast description. You can It's already got over 10,000 signatures. Why not get 10,000 more? Let's really drive this home. You can copy the link out of the description for this podcast into your web browser. You can go put in your name and email address, and you can select or remain anonymous. No one has to know you signed this thing. And it will send an email to you where you click on the link in the email, and it just confirms that that's you. And then you've done something. So uh, by all means, if you want to do something, if you want to do more than just listen to TV shows and listen to podcasts or YouTube videos or read uh, blogs like the, like the Bunker, go to the browser with this link, sign the petition, and you've done something. And hopefully it actually leads to some kind of results. Um, so uh, I've also linked into the description of the podcast uh, the Suicide Prevention Hotline. Uh, Paula Cooper will talk about that. Um, doing the show and for like the fourth or fifth time since I've done the podcast, uh, I'm actually putting this link in there. It's just important. And, uh, if you need that number, you know, you do, uh, go call it. Uh, so for now, uh, let's go ahead and listen to part two of Paulette Cooper. Why did you feel like you had to escape? Did, did, were they on to you? Oh, because I, I, I was, I've always asked a lot of questions. But I did ask a lot of questions when I was there, and you do not ask questions when you're within a concrete. And yeah, and they began to suspect me. So they called me up to what they call an ethics officer. And the there was a room, and there were people waiting to hear to see him. And they called out Paula Madison. Hey, Scientologists, get that Paula Madison. Okay, Paula Madison. <laughs> I, you, you wouldn't believe every deposition I was deposed for 50 days. I would try to find out that name that I do. I'm going to advertise this. My interview with Paula Madison, and people are going to know what Paula to make Madison, it. Paula Madison, a.k.a. Miss Lovely. There you go. <laughs> anyway, so the there were a lot of people waiting to hear him go in and speak to this guy in the room and he, he walked out and, and said, you know, Paula Madison said, whoops, I am in trouble. And he was very, you know, oh, suspicious and hostile. So, the, uh, I didn't know what to do because I did not want to go into that room. Plus, I think I had some notes that I had taken. And so, I said to him, okay, but I have to go to the bathroom first. So, he said, you can go to the bathroom afterwards. And I said, no, I have to go now. He said, no. And I said, if you don't let me go, I will pee on this rug. <laughs> so he looked at me, and I said it so sternly that he really believed I would have. So he says, all right, then you'll come in afterwards. So I ran, and I found a back exit, and I ran down to the subway, and there was a sign at the subway, join the world in the totally free. <laughs> when they advertised, I thought, this is ridiculous. I just escaped. <laughs> bad experience that I had there. So I was negative to begin with, I will admit that. So this was a weekend? This was a two-day trip. I don't think I did two days. Maybe it was one day. And you're already being called into ethics? Sometimes too, because when you're when you're interested in knowing the truth, you you have to ask a lot of That's questions. Right. 
but uh, people don't. They they just sit there and, and believe whatever they're told. I will not comment on election politics or anything else right now. Okay. I feel like you already have, but that's okay. <laughs> that's yeah. great. That's fine. Um, so this is where things took a really dark turn because you decided to write a book that I think was an important book to, to, for you to write. I have not been able to find it to read it myself. But uh, you the, can read it free. You can read it free on my website, Paul I will. I will check it out. Uh, Scandal of Scientology, yeah. right? Yeah, you can read the Scandal of Scientology free. Gosh, that's some research it's by me. The bias is like ridiculous. <laughs> it's like three hundred dollars or something. And you don't see that anymore. So yeah, don't, don't. No, you can buy it on Amazon for three hundred dollars, which is ridiculous. But no one should. I believe I, I gave away about five, oh, more like fifteen years ago. I gave away ten copies that I had to one copy to each of the people that had done the most to fight Scientology with a little. What is it? A little parchment paper honoring them. Oh, nice. I sure would love those. I sure would love those ten copies now. I would sell them for dollars. Is that what they're doing? They're selling their their the yes. Well, that's not I special. I never made any money on the on you know fighting Scientology. It cost me like a quarter of a million. Dollars. Well, that's terrible, Paula. I would I would cherish something like that. Why would they sell that? Ah. Ah. Don't buy the book, everybody. Go go to Paulette Cooper's website and, go and read, read it. <laughs> I will be doing that. Good. You, you jumped a step, though, because I didn't immediately write a book. What happened is that I wrote an article, and I sold it to a magazine that's now Harper's, and then it was Queen. It was Harper's Queen in England, very prestigious magazine. And it was an article on Scientology. And I didn't know it had run because I was in New York at the time when it came out. And I picked up the phone one day and there was a death threat. And I couldn't figure out, you know, because I was writing little sweet things. <laughs> threatening to kill me. So I called my agent who had sold it. And he checked. He said, oh, yeah. He said, the article came out today. And the fact that, yeah. And how did they know in New York? It was a local call, obviously. The... The person did not do it on their own. They were told to do it. Desperate. That really started a lot of the problems. And then afterwards, I began to get so much information that I developed it into a book. So that's how the scandal of Scientology, which I now refer to as the book that launched a thousand suits. <laughs> right. How the, how the book was born. Right. Was it, was it something that was personal to you at this point? They, they just phoned in a death threat, okay, I'm writing a book? No, I don't think the... I may have... I haven't started a book. It was simply a matter of having so much information that, you know, I just had to, you know, put it down and and get the word out. And I knew so much at that point because I had gone down to Washington. There had been a case against Scientology by, I believe it was the FDA, which said they were practicing medicine without a license. So they had accumulated all of Hubbard's writings. By the way, if anybody's listening doesn't know, L. Ron Hubbard was the founder of Scientology, <laughs> a science fiction writer who continued to write science fiction. Yeah. Science but anyway, so I went down to Washington for a while and I looked at all these papers, and a lot of it was very hilarious and lots of lies. <laughs> 
and that's where I got most of my information. My book was a research job. It was not most of the books that are out now on Scientology are you know first person stories about former members. But I never was a former member except for that weekend, which, or excuse me, when Paula Madison was <laughs> Paula Madison a weekend or a day. I don't think I even went for two days. I think that um, they spotted me pretty fast. So. But they didn't take it as an informational piece. They took it as a personal attack, namely probably Hubbard. Yes, yes, yes. Very much. You mean the book? Yeah, very much so. In fact, uh, in one of their cases against me, they had to choose, I believe it was 18 lines. And I found that a lot of them had to do with Hubbard, and some of them were weird. For example, I wrote that Hubbard was deluded in believing that psychiatrists routinely killed their patients. Well, Hubbard was upset because he saw it as Hubbard is deluded. Do you see? Well, that's interesting. In other words, that, that's... the sense didn't even matter. And then... Okay. He, he, all right. So, in other words, a lot of the things that they upset them was because Hubbard, you know, I mean, here was a, a young little girl going after them. Him. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't stand it. You know, I was like the Russian investigation to Trump. Constant, <laughs> 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 constant irritant, no matter what else is going on. And that's the way uh, Hubbard viewed me. Right. Now, never about the actual issue, but about saying something bad about Elrond. That was, uh, you know, but another thing that they just repeatedly sued me on it was my pointing out that Charles Manson claimed to be a Scientologist, and when, you know, it's, it's, it's since come out in other books that Charles Manson, when he was in prison, he didn't join the Scientology organization, but when he was in prison, he did like 150 hours of Scientology auditing, and we all know how much good that did him. <laughs> sure. So, they, <laughs> so they, they repeatedly sued me for, um, you know, ridiculous things. Yeah, associating him with Scientology, even though it was true. So many of the things that they sued me for were true, but they didn't want me saying that. That was the bottom line. And that's why you're still talking today, because they, they couldn't really put anything on you. See, well, another thing that they consistently uh, sued me for was I said that people had given them so many secrets that they could be afraid of blackmail. Uh, and they they went crazy over that one, and they said, you know, our secrets are absolutely sacrosanct, and nobody ever reveals anything, so nobody would be afraid of blackmail. Well, it, it, it was a wonderful show, HBO, if you haven't seen it. I think it was called Going Clear. Going Clear. Based on, yeah, based on Larry Wright's wonderful book. And, the, uh, and by the way, there was also another very, very good book that has not gotten the attention it deserves, and that's by Janet Reitman. So, but anyway, Larry Wright wrote this wonderful book going to it. It became an HBO, uh, you know, uh, special. And there it came out that they were videotaping auditing sessions of famous people. Yep. Like Tom Cruise, videotaping. And yet they had the nerve to keep suing me because I said that, oh, they were not keeping these things confidential. They were not keeping their confessionals confidential. And then, uh, again, after my book came out, I, I got many, many examples. Of, you can read so many of them now on the Internet with people's personal secrets that they reveal. 
in Scientology, believing them to be sacrosanct, and absolutely nobody will ever find out, and they take that out. And they yeah. say, well, you know, you have a problem with, you know, when you were five years old, you had a homosexual experience, you know, with <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yep. It's like, I, I know somebody who was gay, left Scientology, and what they did to try to, to get back at him is they went around and told, and this is maybe 20 years ago when it was a, more of a problem to, for somebody to be known as gay than today, but they went around, a lot of his clients, he was an artist, and a, a lot of his clients were Japanese companies that had him do these big paintings, you know, for their buildings and stuff, and they were very, very anti-gay. So they went and told all of them that he was gay and he lost all his clients. And that had been confidential material. So Scientology says, oh, yeah, but that's not during their confessionals. That's during their ethics. <laughs> oh, my God. It, 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 oh. Actually, it is. It is. It is during their confessionals. Uh, even if it's during the ethics. The ethics thing, it seems like, from what I've seen posted online of the yeah. things that uh, they'll ask, it seems like they'll get more dirt on you off of the... Off of ethics and off of the uh, oh, yeah. off of the sex check, yeah. then you get off of a regular confessional. Right, and in fact, I, in my book, I was the first one to to reveal that there were these security checks in which they asked, you know, these kind of extremely open-ended personal questions, like, "What have you done that you don't want anyone to know?" That's a pretty good first question, right? <laughs> we get information. We have two weeks to discuss it while I write it down, because that's about what happened. Right. I'm just handing you the, the compromising photos to use against me in the black mill. Yeah, I'm just telling you everything you need to know to come at me. Oh, man, so they did some horrible things to you. One of the things they did to you that I think still makes people paranoid today is they, they had people befriend you and talk bad about Scientology and join you in the fight against Scientology that were actually members of the Guardian's office. Is that right? Right. Oh, that was done years, absolutely for years. In fact, even as recently as oh, five years ago. Oh, my God. There was a, there, yeah, this is how many years later? And there was this guy who was, actually he legitimately is a writer for Vanity Fair, and he went around to all of us and, you know, the people that had anything to do with fighting Scientology and said he was doing the story on Scientology. And, and we found out when Mike Rinder left Scientology. He's the one who's with the Leah Rimney on yes. the show. That they were paying him for his information. So that's as recently as I said five years ago. And some of it was very diabolical. For example, here's one way they tried to get to me. They followed my mother and found out which beauty parlor she went to. Then they had a Scientologist sit in the chair next to her the next time she went and strike up a conversation and say, oh, you know, do you have any kids? And I'm like, yes, I have a daughter. Is she married? No, I have a son, you know, said the woman. <laughs> Why don't we introduce them? And, of course, the son was a Scientologist. My mother, by this point, had also become quite used to what was going on. So right. You know, immediately, I mean, only found out later that he, he was a Scientologist. You know, she was one and... So they're trying to, they were always trying to date me, and uh, the, you know, because that was the best way to get information. Up to five years and ago? Even up to five years ago, and if he hasn't been caught, 
um, you know, it, it came out when Mike Linda came, then it probably would have, um, we could still be doing it. Wow. Yeah. Not only that, I trusted him completely because I knew him for years. That's, by the way, why they used people that, you know, everybody trusted. And um, it's, I told him about a book that was coming out. And sure enough, the, um, the, the publisher immediately got a, uh, a cease and desist, desist and threats of lawsuit. So he was getting information, posing as our friend. Wow. Yeah, I even think about that sure sometimes. That, yeah, I'm sure that those who were speaking out at this point also have, um, you know, again, we're back to the Internet. The Internet makes things so much easier because you can put down the name, you can put photos and stuff, and then, yep. oh, I know him, you know. Yep. We did OT4 together. <laughs> there, there are ways to find out, absolutely. And uh, the thing is, with that friend of yours, of course, that was going to be hard to figure out. He seemed very legitimate, you know, writer for Vanity Fair. He seemed sensible. Oh, yeah. Why would he be a Scientologist? He's yeah. supportive for them. Yeah, it's crazy. That's, that is crazy. But they can do less and less now because people are more and more aware of Scientology. Absolutely. And they, but that now, so they're going to foreign countries now. Um, Russia was big, but then Russia got smart and kicked them out. Yeah. And I mean, why, why shouldn't their people steal all the money? <laughs> and now the the biggest place one is uh, Taiwan. I think is is really? not doing very well right now. And at some point, some investigative reporter like myself, a Taiwanese Paul I. Cooper, <laughs> will go and write a nice expose, and uh, people, you know, will read it, and it will go around the Taiwanese internet, and uh, they'll have to look elsewhere. Are you still writing? So, oh, I've written now I'm up to uh, 24 books. Oh, wow. The only one on Scientology, but I'm a writer, and in fact, I'm also a newspaper columnist. So, yes, I stayed in the, uh, they, my career was almost destroyed, but uh, I stayed in it. Now, also, I'm going to, it's, it's, it's uh, we're 48 minutes, see, I have to leave at, get ready at 11. I, I belong to Toastmasters, where gotcha. I'm actually speaking and so on. Yeah, so I have to, um, I'm, I'm speaking today, actually. So I have to get ready, but let me, we have a few minutes, so let me just tell the story of the frame-up. Okay, yes, that was a big part of it, yes. Right, and and it was the worst thing they did to me, or to just about to anybody, was they got into my apartment. Uh, one of their, you know, fake <laughs> the Scientologists, which I didn't know, stole my stationery, wrote in Scientology, wrote themselves bomb threats, and they had me arrested. And I was up for 15 years in jail. Five, there were two fake letters that they wrote to themselves, and it's up for five years for each letter and five years for going before a grand jury and denying that I did it. And for eight months I was arrested, I was indicted, and for eight months I had this over my head. And uh, I had a nervous breakdown. I went down to 83 pounds. I couldn't eat. I, all I did was take Valium and drink. And I faced a big trial, and I faced a lot of negative publicity because I was young, single, photogenic, and it was a bizarre case, you know, um, a woman who writes a book about 
a church, uh, then send bomb threats to the church. So it really was a, a, a horrible, horrible time. Yeah. It still affects, still affects me to this day. If, if I hear something happened in 1973 or 1975, I'll say, oh, two years after the frame-up. It's become the, the benchmark of my life. Yeah. And the government began, we began to give them enough information against Scientology. Uh, for example, they have something called the fair game law which means that an enemy of Scientology can be sued, tricked, lied to, or destroyed. And we began to have enough information for the government to say, well, you know, maybe we won't go to trial now. It was not, you know, it was not a clean uh, exoneration by any means. And then for the next year or so, I think it was four years, they just, kept suing me and harassing me and continuing to, you know, seeing calls, threats, following me, photographing me, uh, sending horrible anonymous smear letters about me. The, uh, I, I moved to a new building to, because I, I felt safer after a very mysterious attack, uh, somebody with a gun in my other apartment. Mm. And as soon as I moved into this doorman building, which I thought, hey, I'm going to be safe here, 300 tenants received an anonymous, horrible letter about me, hmm. totally false, saying that I was a part-time prostitute with venereal disease, you know, yeah. building that kind of stuff. Um, as I said, that was just one of five anonymous smear letters sent to my parents, sent to my boyfriend's boss so that he broke up with me. And anyway, the oh, four years I had it all over my head and... People thought I was guilty and there was nothing I could do to prove my innocence. And then in July of 1977, the FBI raided Scientology. And they found these documents about what to do with Miss Lovely, which was my code name, which is why uh, there's this book about this story uh, written by Tony Ortega called The Unbreakable Miss Lovely. Mm-hmm. But that was Scientology's code name for me. And in there, they, not only did they admit to the frame-up, which they called Operation Dynamite, but it turned out that when I wasn't arrested, I mean, I was arrested, but when I didn't go to jail, they came up with a second plot to do it again. The second one was called Operation Freakout, and they were going to send, what do you call it, letters to Henry Kissinger in my name. They were going to go to local places and threatened to bomb them. Remember that these are terrorist, uh, they were terrorist crimes even when I was, yeah. uh, you know, uh, indicted for it. The government doesn't fool around when people start threatening bombs and so on. So finally, after five years, I was exonerated, but nothing, you know, I mean, I, I never got a letter of apology from the government. No. My legal fees alone just to fight the indictment that was $28,000, which would be like 100000 today. And it really just wrecked my life. But I continued to expose Scientology and fight until others came in. Uh, there was a lawyer who set up a class action suit, and that brought, up a lot, brought out a lot of people, and including, by the way, people who admitted just some of the harassment and things that they had done to me, for example, 
um, they, I had gone to a psychiatrist after the frame-up because I was in such a terrible state. So they robbed the psychiatrist, and then they sent my records around anonymously to people. You know, so the guy, yeah, so the guy that, that did that admitted uh, to it. Oh, good. And then they uh, uh, had gotten a hold of my diary from when I was 17. And like all 17-year-olds, at one point, I was angry at my parents, and I said, oh, you know, I hate my mother and father. So they underlined that, and the guy who delivered it then, to my father, the Scientologist, uh, he has come out and admitted and feels, feels very bad because he realizes that, you know, he hurt somebody that should not have been hurt. I've spoken they, to Lynn. They, yeah, and they stole my book all over every library, and the guy whose job it was to steal it all over Michigan, uh, ah. he uh, has still since come out. But the major people from the frame-up uh, have never admitted anything. You know, what I, I find interesting... Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I say I think I have to call it quick soon because I have to get ready for my speech. All right, uh, maybe three more minutes? Yeah. Okay. Uh, one thing I'll say real quick is the thing that really stands out to me is just how terrible this fair gaming was on you, and this was after they supposedly ended it. Uh, there are people today who will talk about how horrible Scientology is under David Miscavige as opposed to how wonderful it was under LRH, but this was L. Ron Hubbard's doing. Oh, and it's, uh, oh, yeah. It's Scientology... They will never, it was Hubbard who said that enemies of Scientology can be sued, tricked, lied to, destroyed. Mm -hmm. And anything that Hubbard said is still their policy. Yep. Or else it's not Scientology. Oh, no, it's completely different. Um, It's just not true. You've seen it. People are still being harassed and and, we try to speak out. It's just there's so many that they really can't focus and it's not very effective. You know, and they do follow people. They do something they did for eight years called noisy investigations. Right. They want you to know they're doing it. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'll, I'll just, in, in one minute, just tell you one story that I always thought was so terrible about what they did to me during this period of time that I explained with the frame-up. Oh, my my boyfriend had left me. I was in a very bad way. I couldn't go out. I'd become totally acrophobic. And uh, I had a dog that needed to be walked. And um, I met this guy through somebody, through somebody. And he offered to become my roommate. And uh, the, he moved in. And he used to also try to get me. He, uh, he'd go up once a day at night to the roof. And he got me to go a couple of times and just to get out, but I didn't want to get out. I mean, I was in a really terrible, terrible state at the time. And the, excuse me, when the documents were, you know, I explained that when the FBI raided Scientology and found these documents pertaining to Miss Lovely, there was this diary. Somebody was writing things like, uh, oh, today she's talking suicide. Wouldn't that be great for Scientology? Wow. Tomorrow she's going to see her lawyer. She's wearing a yellow blouse so that I could be followed. And I realized that my good friend who I had lived with for eight months was a Scientologist. And he was calling, when he went upstairs, he was actually calling in a daily diary about what Miss Lovely was doing. And one of the things that I found most upsetting 
was that uh, two times that I went up with him, he was a very courageous guy, and he jumped up on the ledge at the pool. Now, this was 33 stories up. And he'd say, come on, Paula, you know, get up here. Show those people that, you know, you can fight, that you're brave, you're this mm. and that. And thank God I was just too terrified. You know, I said, can't you even trust your best friend? This is good for you, da da da, da. And I didn't do it. Oh, but geez. once I saw that he was a Scientologist, I said, oh, my God. See, oh, I was talking suicide all the time. It would have been so easy for him to just... Do you think he would have? That one. Yes, I do. Oh, my God. He was, a hel- he was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Uh, already, you know, one has a lot of guts. And I think that everybody would have thought that I committed suicide. No one would have suspected. Now, whether he was going to do that on his own, uh, I don't know. But remember, Operation Freakout, the purpose was to drive me insane or put me in jail. So that would have solved all their problems very quickly. Yeah, wow, and he would have been probably moved up the ladder pretty fast. He would have been in a good position. They would have loved him. Oh, Paulette. Yeah. Oh, well, well, you're you are um, you're you're happy now. You live in a pretty good life right yes, now. Yes, yes, yes. It, it took her a long time, but I I married somebody really wonderful, and uh, the I live down in Florida, and I have two little dogs, and I write for the local newspaper. And I write books on whatever I want to write about, but I don't do investigative reporting. I do a lot of stuff on dogs and cats. And okay. I tell my friends this. Yeah, the reason is that dogs don't, don't see you and cats don't see you. It's a nice life with a same bathroom, a nice food. I love it. And it took a long time, and, and, and I do say this sometimes to friends who are depressed and suicidal, and I say, you know, just get over the hump, because amazingly, things that can turn out really great that you don't see as now as happening, but it does. Anyway, so true. Speak. Yep. Oh, I'm really honored to have you on. Thank you. Okay, good. Thank you. Take care, Paul. Bye. All right, so yeah, get over the hump. Uh, Paul Cooper, agree on you. Uh, well, agree was an amazing lady, great guest. I love talking to her. Next week. Uh, I'm going live a half hour earlier, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. A live come get some extra with one of the most outspoken, uh, one of the most uh, determined uh, activists and critics of Scientology, uh, autism activist Fiona O'Leary uh, will be on the show. I've also invited, and uh, we've invited several times, um, Gemma Harris and John Alex Wood to call in live to defend their position should they wish to. Uh, this guy, Vin, on his other podcast can call if he feels the need to defend himself. Uh, don't don't not defend yourself and then act like you didn't have an opportunity. Uh, wide open live show, unpredictable next week right here on Come Get Some Extra. Um, but don't make the don't let, don't let me say this stuff and let that encourage you to interact too much with Gemma Harris and John Alex Wood. My understanding is that even if you make them look stupid, even if you make Scientology look bad in the tweets, it's good stats for them. And uh, so, so any time spent on that is time spent not doing something uh, to expose uh, the abuses. It, it feels like you're exposing, it feels like you're showing. And of course it led to me doing this show, interacting with those guys. Uh, but I'm not encouraging that at all. But please tune in next week live. And in two weeks, author of the new, brand new book, Escaping Scientology, uh, Karen Presley will be on the show. So look forward to that. Until next week, 
Stay connected. And that about sums it up. If I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex-followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mum and dad, don't talk to your mum and dad, that bad, yeah. wrong. Absolutely believed his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. Hubbard reveals to them that he is the Antichrist. Scientology has not helped you. You have helped yourself. Yeah, I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. We're crossing the line into torture. Do you think there is a rape culture in Scientology? I think that there is a culture in Scientology that children are not children. So... Yeah. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.